we're going to go through quite a bit of scripture today. And as we read scripture, I don't want you to hear me speak or the leadership speak. I want you to hear God speak. Because the scripture, the Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit and written through men for us. And as Jesse said, the word also says that um, the word is living and active. So that as we, as we hear what God has to say about my here and now, it will change you. It will heal you where you need healing. It will bring adjustment where you need adjustment. And it will trim your sails where they need trimming. The thing about that word is when, when, when there's a wind and the sails are not trimmed, you're going nowhere. But when they're trimmed the right way, you go fast effortlessly because you do nothing. So we, well, I'm going to talk today about authority. And authority in the Bible, say from government, it's really just power. But all authority, I will show you, comes from God. And there's only really two ways to respond to authority, power, when it commands or directs. You either humble yourself and you submit and obey, the only other option is if you don't do that, is you are too proud to submit and obey. And in God's economy, that's rebellion. If a government directs and you refuse, you're in rebellion to government. And that's really it. That, those are the two ways we respond to authority. So when we go through the scriptures... So really, the red man, let's call him the authority person, he should actually be above the green man. But what I wanted to illustrate is how we respond to a person in authority, first and foremost, affects my relationship with God. Long before I'm in jail for refusing to submit to authority. And it's a little bit like, like forgiveness. If you live in unforgiveness, the first thing that happens is the Lord says, I can't forgive you. So what you do here first affects your relationship with God. Remember what David said when he was caught out in adultery? He said, Lord, against you only have I sinned. So when whatever we look at, whether it's government and authority or leaders or husbands and wives or parents and children or leaders and those under leadership, what we do here has a direct impact between me and the Lord. Okay. Okay, so let's go to the first scripture. So we're reading from Romans, and I just want to say two things about Romans. The book is called Romans because Paul was writing to the church in Rome. It sounds obvious, but when he wrote to the church in Rome, he wrote to the Christians in Rome. That's significant because here he talks about how everyone must submit to the governing authorities. The governing authorities at the time was the Roman Empire. Not pro-Christian, persecuting Christians, 
So when he writes to Rome, which is the capital of the Roman Empire, and he tells his Christian friends and churches, everyone must submit to governing authorities. It was very clear what he meant. He didn't write to some random little town. He wrote to the biggest empire at the time, and he wrote to the capital and the Christians in that capital. And that must inform the importance of this message. And if you go read in your Bible, this is Romans 13. Romans 12 talks about how a right response, a right worship to the Lord is to live as a living sacrifice. Let your life be a living sacrifice. And after he said that, he goes there. When you read scripture, you must see where it comes from and to, to who it is written. Excuse me. So it says, everybody must submit. Look out for that little word as we read. To governing authorities for, sorry, I can't fill in the blanks, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. So you must submit to them. They are serving God in what they do. Pay your taxes and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So I want us to do two, see, see two things, especially in South Africa. There may be a government that has corrupt officials. But the government in place here and anywhere on earth is in place for as long as God ordains it or allows it. No exception. That's what it says. And if you go read the book of Daniel, you'll see how there was a prophecy by Jeremiah, there will come a king Nebuchadnezzar, and I will make him rule, and when you do not submit, he will put a yoke, and he will destroy you. So we often think that, maybe that's not why, but I think we fall into the trap of thinking because government has corrupt officials, or we don't like the party who's the majority, that therefore we don't have to submit. You have to submit. That means we have to obey the laws. That means we drive the speed limit. That means we pay our taxes. That means we obey the law. And there's only one exception, and thankfully there's only one, so you don't have to remember any, any others. It's when government asks you to do something which is against the clear command of God. So when Nebuchadnezzar said to Daniel, you cannot pray, he prayed. When the king, when Daniel and his, and his three friends were taken to the king, they were told, you must now eat the food of the king. And they couldn't as Jews eat the food of the king. Now I want you to see something else. It says 
that when the command came, Daniel went to the governor in charge of them. And Daniel asked permission not to eat what the king said he must eat. So I don't just want you to see that we have to submit or be in rebellion to what God has instituted. I want us to see respect and honor. It's how we speak about government. Now, I know lurching is terrible. Crime is terrible. Try and see the bottles in the north. It's terrible. But you'll have to find it within yourself to honor and respect our leaders. You know, we're so quick to speak against. But when Paul wrote to Timothy, what's the first thing he said? He said, remember the prophecy of you, Timothy. And then he said, and Timothy, I urge you first of all, before you do anything else, petitions, make prayer, petitions and thanksgiving be made for all people and for kings and all those in authority so that you may live a peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. So before we spend our energy on pushing down or pulling down or criticizing government, why don't you first of all pray? Use your words to pray, not to disrespect and dishonor. We're called to be people of prayer. We complain that we don't live peaceful and quiet lives. But that may just be because we're not praying like we should. And just to remind us of the severity of staying within bounds of authority placed by God, look what it says in the book of Jude. It says, Jesus rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And then he says, and I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of their authority. They did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. In other words, in the Lord, these were the boundaries within which he gave you authority, under which you had to remain within authority. And when the angels did not, God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. That's for eternity till Jesus comes back. Now, if that's how God will respond to angels... We must, we must take these things seriously. And, and something I should have maybe said in the past, uh, in, the, in the beginning, when we talk about authority, we mustn't think with a mindset, okay, God has put government in place, and God has put leadership in place, and husbands and wives and children and bosses, importantly, bosses, and those working for bosses. And therefore, it's God's structure. No. The structures are there, but the authority that flows through the structures is God's authority. Government, Christ is the head of the church, leaders, servants, saints, husbands, wives, children, bosses, and employees. So when you disobey and disrespect and dishonor that one who is above you, and every one of us has somebody under whose authority they are, everyone. It's not that I'm not respecting God's structure. 
It's God's authority over me. Because God could change that reality, whether your boss or your leader or your government, in a second, should he wish. And until then, it's God's authority. It's not just the structure. Because then we know it's that you don't have to go there. It's the triangle. Lord, and I, I work for attorneys, I'm a lawyer, an advocate, and sometimes it's really hard to work for a difficult attorney. And maybe it's hard for a wife who has a difficult husband. Or sometimes it's hard for children who have parents who fail, <laughs> as we all do. But if I can see that I'm honoring God in my submission, and I'm honoring God's authority as I do what my attorney asked me, then I can do it as unto the Lord. It's much easier for me to do good work unto the Lord as it is to do good work for an attorney who treats me badly. I still have to honor him. I still have to respect him. And I still have to submit. But if my mind is, Lord, this is so hard. But if it's for you, it's easy. Easier, at least. <laughs> Before we step up authorities, Paul writes to Titus and he says, remind the believers, and you'll see it elsewhere in scriptures, not just in Romans. He says, remind the believers to submit to government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Here's what I want us to hear, especially us in this country. They must not slander anyone. They must avoid quarreling. That's of course in the church, but it's quarreling anywhere. You guys know what it looks like on social media these days. You cannot go to a platform without three posts or whatever swipes, whatever way you want to go. You will see this. People telling government what to do, people being critical, people quarrying, people debating. The world's become so polarized because everybody's got an opinion. Not slander. Instead, be gentle and show true humility to everyone. So, I just want to say this before we step off government. So while Zuma was a corrupt president, for as long as he was president, I had to honor him as president. Doesn't mean I honor the things he did wrong. I had to respect him as president. Remember David, 14 years after he was anointed to be king, King Saul persecuted him. 14 years. And once King Saul was in a, in a cave and David's men said, look, God has given Saul into your hands. And David's like, well, I'll show him. I'm just going to cut off a piece of his robe. So I'll show him afterwards that he was within my hand. And it says, David's heart struck him. The Holy Spirit convicted him. David's words, because he had lifted his hand against God's anointed. Corrupt, evil, the Holy Spirit really left him, trying to kill the man who's supposed to be king. But David was convicted by the Holy Spirit that he even cut off a piece of his robe of an evil king. So, then, five. So, so, so I want to just focus on this scripture because 
Because this is a social media thing, and a social media thing is everything these days, because it's everywhere. And by that I mean every platform, emails, WhatsApps become almost like a platform, a social media platform on its own. Facebook, Instagram, name it, Twitter. When we speak on those platforms, we need to speak like God would want us to speak. That means you don't post something that you can't say before the Lord if he was in front of you. It means you don't like something that Jesus wouldn't have wanted you to say yourself. And I would encourage you, don't get involved in the quarreling and the debate about all kinds of points of who's right and who's wrong and who's left and who's right and who's Democrat and who's Republican. When Paul writes to Timothy, he says, these are civilian affairs. Don't get involved in civilian affairs. But I feel for us, what we say, what we speak, to remember this, that the Holy Spirit says. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, road rage, taxis, the lot, anger, brawling, and slander, saying anything negative or derogative of another person with the government or anybody else, any form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Let us not miss line four, because we think it's a law I have to keep. Oops, I slipped, I, I wasn't, it wasn't wholesome, it wasn't helpful, I vented, I raged, I was angry, I brawled a bit with this guy on social media debating a point, slandered the president, policeman, whoever. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we do these things. Maybe a, a helpful way to process this is, so when you're on social media and we post, I don't know, people post for different things, different reasons, but imagine you were sending that message to Jesus, to the Lord who inspired these words. If it doesn't fit what he asks us to speak, then we just don't speak. And speaking is also agreeing, liking, and every other thing. And, and, and the reason why is because you will see it right through Scripture, is as Christians, we represent Jesus. We are his ambassadors. What we do reflects on him. How we do it reflects on God. How we speak reflects on God. And something about forgiveness, interesting that they would say, 
forgiveness. I've, I think I've seen that, I know for myself it's, it's like this, but if I try and think why do we like to vent? Why do we have to tell government where they got it wrong? Why do we have to convince somebody that our position is right, not theirs? Pride, one, why? You're right, he's not, but there's more. When I criticize government, I judge government. I'm not talking now about criticism in a forum where debate is encouraged. Let's just talking about being critical. Let's make it more plain. When I dishonor my government and disrespect them, the previous scripture said I can't do that. When I criticize, I have judged them. Why? Because I'm telling them how it should be. So I judge them wrong. What does Jesus say about judgment? Don't judge because you're going to be judged next. And I'll tell you the, the most helpful scripture for me when I judge. And if I'm honest, one of the reasons I do very little social media these days is I cannot scroll very far before I want to judge somebody. And I'd rather close it because otherwise, in my heart, I'm going to judge them. So I just don't want to read it. And when you vent after you've judged, that's anger. God says, I understand that you can be angry, but don't sin out of your anger. When I judge, when I'm getting angry, what is that really? Now, I've judged. We told them I'm right and wrong. I'll be judged. As if that's not bad enough. Anger and venting and rage is what? It's taking vengeance. It's exacting vengeance. It's exacting a consequence you must suffer because you don't comply with my judgment. God says you don't judge. God says you don't take vengeance. What have I also not done? They've offended me. And I've decided not to forgive them. Because if I had forgiven them, if it was a sin against me, whatever this person did, or leader, or government, or parent, or, or husband, or wife, when I judge them and vent, I have not forgiven them. Because if you had forgiven them, if it was a sin against you, there would be no judgment, and there would be no vengeance. And we know what God said about forgiveness. I really just felt to highlight that because we need, Jesus said, we must be like salt. We must season and increase the flavor and make healthy and like antibiotics. Heal where we go and what we speak. In everything we speak. So let us be aware of what we say. And if you want to use your words, pray. Joe. Okay, now we're in the church. And almost in a sense, we'd like to think, well, if it's in the church, it's even more serious. And in a sense, it is. But also in a sense, it's not. Because when David's heart struck him, it's not just because he cut off the robe of his leader. He cut off the robe of his king. So while I want to say it's serious in the church, Probably the main reason getting submission 
and humility and obedience right in the church. And why it is more serious is now you're in God's house. And how you respond will impact on God's house. And when leadership is going one way, and you're going a different way, vocally or otherwise, or even in your heart, there's a split. That's division. And God has a few things to say about division. Because now, this is God's bride. This is the people Jesus died for. If the, if, if the leadership is going one way, and I go another way, I'm causing division in God's household. Mark said earlier about, or Mark or somebody, about unity. And how it says in Psalm 33, how God loves it and brothers dwell in unity because he commands a blessing. See, we don't, we don't go for unity as a destination. We go for God's way as a destination. And unity follows. Unity is not something we do. As we follow the example of Christ, we are one. Because Christ was the perfect example of submission and obedience despite death on the cross. So let's just read this very quickly. You who are younger, and the context is simply those who are not elders, those under leadership. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor, grace, in another translation, to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I think one of the scriptures, but I want us to see three things. The first section says, Submit to your elders, close yourself with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the, to the humble. What? What is that verse doing there? If God is not saying that if you don't, you are proud. And I, God, will oppose you. And I will only show you favor and grace if you are humble enough to submit. See the second section. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up and do some cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See faith. See, sometimes we say, how well, you know, struggle to submit because, you know, you must trust God. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand, who is able to remove anyone in any institution. Challenge yourself to have the faith to submit even when you don't agree, because you trust God. I'm anxious about this thing we're going to do. Trust God. And that helps because God loves faith. In fact, whatever you do that's not from faith will be sin. So you better be clear that what you want to do differently to the direction the person above you is taking, whether that's at work, or your husband, or your parents, or the leadership, 
you be very clear that it's God. Because if you said you must submit, well, that's what you must, what you must do. Unless it's a clear sin. And let me just say quickly, because this is a long topic and I don't want to dwell on it. And it will be hard if you're under an evil leader, even in a church. Or but then you have to trust God. Because when leadership is in place and God has not yet released you from that church or congregation and you've humbly submitted your view to Neil and he decides, thank you, Marius, but goes the other way, then I just have to leave it with God. Because when I feel something for a meeting or for a direction, that's from the Lord. Because nobody's interested in what I think. If the Holy Spirit inspires a thought for Neil to take a direction in the meeting or in leadership, the burden is from the Lord. I have no choice but to submit it to Neil. But how I give it to Neil is the key. Neil, I feel the Lord say. But when I leave it there, I must leave it there. And I must know all I did was to pass on what God gave me and leave it at Neil's feet. Because if I go back and I've still got an issue that, oh my goodness, it's quarter 10 years and done what I, what I felt we must do, then it was me. That thing's got hooks in me. Now I've got an issue with him because he didn't do what I said. What's that? <laughs> it's my flesh and my pride. And I'm being divisive in my heart. And there's also a liberty in that because if it's the Lord, Lord, here it is. Now I've pleased you by being obedient, even if I don't like sharing words with Neil. But I've also pleased you by laying it at his feet. And now it's between him and the Lord. And I'm free. And I carry on with my life. And then the third section. Be alert and, alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's still the same theme. It's the third installment. God will oppose you. You haven't decided to put your faith in God. And you must know, a Christian, that you are now in the open field where there's a devil prowling around like a roaring lion for something to devour. And if you don't get right with God, that will be you. You will be the prey. Because God is opposing you. You don't put your faith in God. And you're in rebellion to him. And you don't want to forgive your leader. God's like, I desperately want to help you. But I cannot help you until you've forgiven. And I cannot help you until you've submitted. And I cannot help you until you've repented. And now I'm going to stand back because I'm a God of my word and allow the, the devil to take you. Okay, now we're going to see, look at some of the examples. And, and it's all the same theme. So the next one. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. What? Is Jesus the head of the church? Yes. Is a husband the head of his wife? 
in no less a way than Christ is the head of the church. No less. And let me say, in this congregation, I'm pleased to see wives that honor their husbands and submit to them, are gracious and loving. It's as to the Lord. Wives read, servants, children, submit to husbands as to the Lord. That means as if it was Jesus. As if I was married to Jesus. In the same way, I must honor, respect, and obey. Submit to your husbands in everything. Not the nice things. Now, I'm not talking about abusive husbands. I'm not talking about any of that. But it means in everything. Your starting point must be, Lord, marriage is from you. Your authority runs through marriage, through Christ, from my husband, as head of me, and into our family. And though my husband's impossible, I will honor you and respect you and respect your authority flowing through him, and I will obey him in everything. And I'm, on every one of these scriptures, well, especially these that talk about wives and, and bosses and children, there is a scripture right before or after that says, and husbands, as an example, now you make sure you love your wife and serve her like Christ loved and served the church. He died for the church. So I want to say, I'm not every time going to bring the correction because I'm teaching on the principle of where authority flows. Because if the husband does not love his wife like Christ loved the church, and does not love her as sacrificially as Christ loved the church, he's coming short before the Lord. And there's the account he will have to give to the Lord it's the same account that he, the wife would have to give to the Lord for not obeying. And just, you'll see this all over Scripture. Uh, I've not quite really worked out what this is and what it means, but it's, 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 it's scary. One day, before the judgment seat of Christ, us as Christians will all appear before Jesus. And you will give an account for every word you've spoken on this earth in your lifetime. And for everything you have done, whether good or bad, in this body. Man. Maybe I don't want to ponder on it because it's too overwhelming. Let's move on. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, as if it's the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So my instinct is reading they're thinking about kids, but I forget that I'm also a kid to a mother. Well, this passed on. Obey, respect. And there's a promise. Promise is nothing else but a condition in reverse. If you don't, your life will not be as long as it could be. 
But if you do, your life will be long. And I thought about this the other day. Even if my mother passes away tomorrow, I still have a father in heaven. And I want to make sure that I serve him like he would have wanted me to serve my earthly parents. Next one. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling. That's your boss. Fear and trembling. Anybody seen the movie Horrible Bosses? It's horrible. It's funny, but it's horrible. In the sincerity of your heart, as you would Christ, do we serve our bosses with fear and trembling, with sincerity in our hearts, as we would if it was Jesus when I show up on Monday morning? Most of us don't. But I pray that when we fail, and we all do from time to time, the Holy Spirit will convict us that this is another place where we get to submit to God's authority and serve our bosses like he would see us do. I was going to read the rest. Don't work only while being watched. Interesting that, hey, otherwise you're what, on Facebook somewhere? As people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord. Knowing that whatever good everyone does, slave or free, he will receive back from the Lord. Have you thought about that? That when your husband, husband, sorry, (laughs) poor husbands, when your boss is being impossible, your serving him with fear and trembling and doing good will give you a reward from Jesus. Now, there's a good reason to do it. Besides that, I'm pleasing Jesus, which is the best reason. And Let's not forget this. Every time the scripture says, as unto the Lord, as if it's Jesus. And, and, and that's the kind of thing we have to allow to work in us because, because we don't think like that. And this whole world is about everybody having an opinion and you can do what you want and if you don't like a situation, you move on. No. It's as unto the Lord. Now we can go to the next one. So now I want to just read this because this is what it all boils down to. Peter writes to the Philippian church and he says, he encourages them and then he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And let me just say, the word servant there, you would have heard it in the preachers. Sometimes servant just means employee. Sometimes it means slave. When all the apostles talk, when they open their their letters, they say, me, a servant of Jesus Christ, or a bond servant, a slave of Christ. Jesus took the form of a slave Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus taking the form of a servant, right? Being obedient to death on the cross. Just bear with me for a second. I want to show you the scripture where he's with Pontius Pilate. And Pontius says, why don't you answer my questions? Don't you know I have the authority to release you? What does Jesus say? No. 
You have no authority unless it was given you by God. Now let's talk about submission to authorities. The Roman authorities who crucified him put a crown of thorns on his head, lashed him, pulled out his beard, ridiculed him, crucified him violently. Authorities. What did he do? Not a word did he speak out against that authority. Not a word did he speak out. How dare you do this to me, the Son of God? How dare you make jokes about me if I'm God come down for the cross? Did he do that? No. Why? Because he knew it was his Father's will that he goes through that. How quick are we to say, who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? Jesus went through all of that and said not a word because he understood submission. And the night before he had prayed until blood came out of his skin. Father, please, take this cup away from me. But not my will, yours be done. Three times. Well, the father said, no. But I'll be with you. And then he went through all of that. Suffered all of that humiliation. And was crucified without saying a word because it was his father's will. So when, when we submit to authorities, bosses, now, wives, our husbands, let's do it like Jesus did. Jesus said, if you love me, you must walk on earth like I walked. Perfect submission to his Father in heaven, even the governing authorities, for as long as it was God's will that he'd be crucified, and as long as the authorities was in place. And here is why it is glorious. I'm not going to land with this. I'm not going to try and find the scriptures anymore. Because the Bible says, when we gave our life to Jesus, we were baptized into his death, we died with him, and we are now seated with him in heavenly places. So firstly, we're dead. Unfortunately, much of our flesh is not quite as dead as it should be when it comes to these things. Secondly, you are not your own. I'm just talking from the Bible now. You are not your own. You were bought at the price of Christ's precious blood. You were in a kingdom of darkness, and he put you into a kingdom of light. You were a slave to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness. It helps me to know that I'm a slave when I do the hard stuff. You know, in Roman times, a slave was property. It's not like today. A slave was property like a table. I could cut it in two. It was my property to do what I wanted. And if I can see myself as property, Paul says, submit your body now as instruments of righteousness to Jesus. 
I'm, I'm now his instrument. Then it's, Lord, not only am I your ambassador and how I respond and talk and react, but I'm yours. I'm, I'm in a sense, I'm an extension of you. And as an extension of Christ, I want to suffer when it's hard and struggle and go through hard stuff when it's God's will and I wish it wasn't like Christ did. That's not the glorious part. That's the hard part. But it's good to have that perspective. Here's the glorious part. Is that as we continue to behold Jesus in everything we do, go through life, Lord, says, as we behold him, and by beholding we're doing everything as unto the Lord, and we want to stay in perfect connection with our Father, we want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we want to remain in Christ. As we do that, what happens to us? Yes, there's flesh dying brutally, and yes, it's Aina often, but we are being transformed from one image more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Our minds are being renewed and transformed as we submit and obey. Your mind will not be renewed and you will not be transformed to Christ's image if you don't submit and obey and go through the hard things beholding Christ. But the glorious part is, Lord, this is a tough week and my boss is impossible, but I'm going to push through and I'm going to honor and respect and serve as if I'm doing this job for Jesus, even though they're impossible and rude and spit on me and call me names. Why? Because by Friday, I will be more like Jesus. My mind will think more like his does. It will be renewed and more renewed. And it says, until we attain the fullness of the image of Christ, in us. And then it becomes full circle. See, we do these things not only because Christ did it for us, and he went through that to save me. Now, if I am his ambassador, I want to live the same way. But as we're being transformed and our minds being renewed, what is God doing in this world? So when, when we die... It says, we die our Christ comes back. It says, in that moment, you will see him and you will be like him. We won't be God, but we will be free of sin, free of our human desires. But until that day, the way we become more like him, and the way we think more like him, and the way we honor him, and the way we stay in Christ, submitting to the hard stuff, we become more and more one, united. There's the glorious part. You, thanks. you are part, not only of your own transformation, but if you, if you do it God's way, you will have that transformation. But here's the more glorious thing. is God's kingdom on earth is here and it's growing. And you can participate in that in one of two ways. You can live like Christ... Try at least. Holy Spirit is there. When we fail, we repent. He'll receive us back. He's always there in the heaven. Know this. Jesus prays for us. Interceding for us. Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. 
So we're not without resources. But as we do these hard things, we become like Christ and we are part of the kingdom that God is building on this earth. And through your example, you don't know how many people you will reach and impact. Long before you stand before Jesus and he says, let's see how he lived. We want to arrive there that day saying, Lord, your example was too high and I could never attain it, but I tried. And when I failed, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I repented and I came back to you and you forgave me. And he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we go for.